0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brought
1: to you
2: by P4P Muscle Productions and Entertainment. The number one drug-free athlete sponsorship found Foundation in the world now. I want you to grab a friend, turn the volume up a bit, lean in, and listen to the show where all the athletes want to talk. Fit Talk with Melinda Corsino. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Fit Talk with Melinda Corsino. This show is brought to you by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship in the world. If you're a drug-free athlete or just looking for the best supplements on the planet that represents the drug-free lifestyle, check out P4P Muscle at p4pmuscle.com. You can also use my promo code, promo code Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A, for 15% off any supplements on the website. Um, So I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. We have an awesome show lined up for you. Uh today I am going to be talking with both Michael Wilkie and John Yopst, who are two uh very well known trainers and prep coaches in the natural bodybuilding industry. So I'm gonna kick it off uh with them. I'm gonna have John Yopst introduce himself, uh for anyone listening in that may not know who he is. So John, why don't you take it away and uh give everyone a quick introduction?
1: No, thank you, Melinda. Um I've been in a trainer for 25 years. I own um, a personal training studio in Connecticut called Lean Physique. I'm also the head coach and owner of Team Lean, the natural bodybuilding competition team. We uh, compete all over the country. Um, like I said, I've been a trainer and a coach for 25 years, seen a lot of changes in the industry. My formal education is sports medicine. Um, I was a former competitor back in the 90s, and I've also been a bodybuilding judge with multiple organizations
0: for the last 20 years.
2: Awesome. Thank you, John. And now, uh, Michael, a quick introduction about yourself as well.
0: Hi, my name is Michael Wilkie. I live in uh, Nashville, New Hampshire. I've been a uh, personal trainer and own my own business for 16 years. I'm a Team K competition prep coach. Uh, I've been working with clients, uh, again, for 16 years. And again, as John, see many changes in the industry. And I'm uh, definitely looking forward to tonight's conversation, see if we can set the record straight. And uh, thank you, Melinda, for having us on tonight. Well,
2: thank you guys. I'm uh, very excited for this show. Definitely. It's my second show. Wanted to take it up a notch, do something a little bit different, get some professionals on here. Uh, well-known trainers again. I've worked with Michael. Michael is actually my prep coach. For I get a lot of questions. Who's your prep coach? Who do you go to? Michael Wilkie is mine. I've known John, I've been introduced to John since my first bodybuilding show back in 2013. He was actually one of the judges at that show So I've seen him around the shows, and I like his stuff, and I love talking to his clients. I'm very excited to have both of them on tonight. I want to start off. uh, There's a lot of questions that I get, especially newcomers coming into bodybuilding for the first time, not knowing what to look for in a bodybuilding prep coach and or trainer or both together, whatever you're looking for. So I want to start off talking about that. So uh, either one of you take it away what should people look for coming into bodybuilding for the first time?
1: Um, I guess I'll I'll start off with this one. Uh, a couple of things you want to look for in a prep coach are just make sure they have at least proper certifications, uh, personal training certifications, nutrition certifications. Uh, it's also a good idea to make sure that they have liability insurance. Um, any legitimate trainer slash coach will have the proper certifications and pr- proper insurance to cover them. Um, you got to be aware of people that don't have those things or they're not willing to show them to you. Um, it also helps if somebody has been in the industry for a while, um, especially as a competitor, but also in other capacities because they'll have a better idea of um, what goes on. and uh, Somebody that's involved maybe in different organizations because competing in different organizations can be different. Um, also, somebody that will answer questions. If you contact a coach and they're unwilling to spend time either talking to you or messaging with you on Facebook or emailing with you to answer any questions you may have, that's probably somebody that you want to stay away from. Any prep coach would be glad to take uh, some of their time and, and answer questions uh, that people may have. Um, Michael, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that?
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. My my biggest thing I always love uh, when I have uh, new clients coming in and they say, you know, I was working down, down at the gym and the guy down there, he had big packs and he was telling me I should be doing this, that, and the other thing, or you know, maybe they uh, tried this Internet diet or that Internet diet, and so they start following them. Uh, this is this is one area when you're talking about competition prep. It's very specific. You know, it's very uh, detailed. Uh, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, you can't out-train a bad diet, bottom line. So if there might be somebody in the gym who, you know, can lift a million pounds and maybe has his biceps as big as his head. But it doesn't mean he knows, he or she knows, what they're doing as far as actually getting ready and all the subtle nuances that go into competition prep. So, you know, be mindful about, you know, somebody who's, you know, maybe competed 20 years ago or, you know, they've never competed, but they, they have a good physique. Um, the, the thing that gets me the most is, is when people get online and they do all these one-size-fits-all approach. I was actually on today looking for something else, and you can just go to a specific site and actually download – the diet that certain uh, champion competitors have used. And we're talking about like legitimate competitors now, you know, in in the various organizations that, you know, are, are, are making their, their, their diets available just to anybody. And to me, that's just insane. I I can't understand that. So definitely do your homework on your coach. Definitely make sure they have the credentials and it's definitely a good idea to make sure that they've been on stage themselves uh, more than once. And, uh, and so that's, that's my advice there. I'd have, to I agree with, that, I'd
2: have to agree I, with you, Mike. I, ahead, I think Mom. that people are often shocked, and maybe people go to the Internet to start off because it's a cheap way to do so. I think people are often shocked at the price of a quality trainer. In my opinion, you're, you're getting what you pay for, and it's not an area that you want to save money on. So I, I'm sure you guys would agree. Uh, it's definitely not an area to cut costs and, and download a one-size-fits-all diet. It's something that you need to be personalized, and uh, a quality trainer is going to really make or break the difference when you get on
1: stage.
0: Well, that's I, what doing your is couldn't agree more
1: with that. Um, all of the clients that I work with, uh, especially from contest prep, um, I change their programs, a lot of them, um, every week because the body will adapt to things very quickly, and um, obviously some people are going to respond faster than others you know there's a lot of factors that go into that but um a good coach will do that that's why i have a problem with coaches that give the same diet to you know 35 different people i mean how how are you supposed to know that all those people are going to respond to the same diet and maybe you know that coach might be you know a quote-unquote pro competitor and so people automatically think that that makes them an expert um and a lot of times i found that just because somebody is a um a pro athlete. That doesn't necessarily mean they'll be a good coach because you have to be good at a lot of different things to be a good coach. Um, aside from having a good knowledge of nutrition and 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 training, uh, there's a lot of other things that go into it. And I'm sure Michael um, would agree with me and can probably add to that.
0: No, absolutely. It definitely goes back to doing your homework when you're when you're uh, you know looking to get into the the sport um i i've been involved in in many sports uh in my lifetime and, and this is definitely without a doubt the most demanding uh in terms of just pure discipline on on your part as a competitor but but you know depending on how far you want to take it also do your pocketbook but there are ways again if you do your homework that you can be smart about it the one thing when working with my clients is i I'll, I'll never adjust my the the my cost my price uh, for my services because i have confidence in my services uh, I know there's value there, but I never want that to be a reason why somebody doesn't hire me. So, you know, I'm looking to see if we can uh, um, work something out so that we at least we can get somebody forward and I, uh, get somebody moving forward, and I know that they're going to get the uh, the proper education, the proper guidance, that support that's so necessary to be successful on stage. So, so really the, the moral of the story here is, you know, this is an area you can't on. You really got to be willing to put a little skin in the game. And uh, again, by doing your homework and making sure you're working with a coach uh, who, who has that experience that we already talked about, it, it is invaluable. And, it, it, you know, if, you're, if, if you talk to a coach and everything seems great, you know, the, the conversation, there's chemistry there, so on and so forth, but they give you the same exact diet, the same exact program as they're giving your, your, your fellow competitors or your friends that are coming with you, you need to run. I mean, I get your money back, get out, and, and don't look back. I, I, I probably cannot stress any other point more than that one. The one-size-fits-all approach, you go online, you get these diets, you're not going to have long-term success, bottom line. If I could just
1: add to that, um, Melinda and Michael, um, I think that people seem to forget that doing something like this can affect your health, not just physically but mentally. Um, so you want to make sure that you get somebody that's n- – not only going to be there during the process, but after the process. I've seen a lot of, um, I hate to use the word train wrecks, but I've seen a lot of train wrecks in this industry with people who have had coaches and then the coach is nowhere to be found once the show's over. And, um, you know, everybody likes to talk about reverse diets and reverse diet dieting is probably actually harder for most people than, than the, the contest prep. And, and um, I'm sure that you know, Melinda, you're a competitor. I'm sure that you can um, attest to that. The first time you did a reverse diet, it was probably harder than doing the prep because there's really no, you know, there's no carrot, so to speak, at the at the end. You're you're trying to um, build yourself your metabolism back up and all that. So um, I just want people to be um, aware that you're hiring somebody that's going to be dealing with your health. So you need to make sure that this person is is knowledgeable and that they're really going to care.
0: I yeah, absolutely. And yeah. if I, if I can piggyback on that too with Melinda, I yep. mean, as as you already mentioned, I'm, I'm your coach, and one of the things that I make sure I do with every single one of my clients, and I'm sure John is the same way, is that when I tell or I, I tell you to do something, or I guide you on something. I'm not just going to say Melinda or John, do this, 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 and this. I'm going to do that, but I'm going to then tell you why. I'm going to follow up. This is why I have you doing this. This is what you can exactly expect based on these adjustments we made. I want to educate you. I don't want to just say right. go do this. Send you a text and say, Bob, there you go. No, okay, we're going to do this. This is why we're doing this and this is what we can expect. If not, we'll make those subtle adjustments, so on and so forth. Again, here's why, so on and so forth. If right. they're not that, educating you, if they're not giving you that information, I, I to me that that just doesn't that doesn't jive. Or if they're not willing to answer questions that you may have,
1: um, absolutely, about your training program that you're doing or or your diet or why you're doing one thing versus another. I mean, I'm sure you hear this a lot from people that you work with. Oh, well, my friend's trainer has been doing this or I talked to a trainer at the gym and he said I need to be doing this. And me, as a coach, that frustrates me because, you know, they don't know. Like, I know yeah. when I sit down with somebody in the beginning, I have a long... Like, we. they come in, I meet with them, we do body fat, or if it's an online, they, they have it done and I, they send me the information. When I look at at those numbers and I see the person, I pretty much know how long it's going to take them to get ready because we're going to do it in a slow, safe manner. And I already have a plan in my head laid out for how I'm going to get this person from point A to to point Z. And if they start to listen to other people and start to take detours, then that interrupts the plan and in the end it usually ends up costing the client um, having a
0: better outcome. And I just think that's one of the problems we have with social media today and, and again just the you know the interaction that we have with with other people in the gym and so on and so on because you know I'll have clients who are actually in in different parts of the country, and uh you know where I don't see them on a regular basis obviously uh you know it's only through email uh phone skype text, whatever the case might be, and perhaps they've picked up a uh opposing coach that they're working with, and the posing <laughs> coach may have been somebody who's competed in the past or maybe they're even competing now and they have clients or whatever. The case might be, and they say, "Well, you you should have your trainer." It's like, what are you talking about? You don't even know this person's history. You don't know their medical right. history. You don't know their competition. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what they're doing with their diet. What they've been doing with their diet. You know, I'm just, glad you said yeah, medical history. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it is the it's it's the it's the hardest thing for me to really keep myself in check when I on the rare occasion it does happen, but it's rare that I'll have a client come to and they start saying this stuff. And it's not even at my client because I can't blame my client. It's, right. it's these other trainers who are stepping in and thinking they have the answers. You don't know. There's just so much that we've been working on together that things change and to just think that you have the answers, you know. And, and so as a competitor, I, I just strongly implore you that whoever you hire, whether it's, it's I'm fortunate enough or John is for you to hire us is Trust the process, trust what we're what we're telling you, but make sure we're giving you that information that you need so you understand why we're doing the things that you're doing. And then just do your best to block out the outside noise because everybody is going to have an opinion, and everybody, I have air quotes up right now, is an expert. <laughs> it is very... You took the words right out of coming, my mouth.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Coming from someone on the competition side as of right now, um, I know... When I enter prep, and my first preps were, I'm sure Michael can attest to that, a little bit easier than they are now as far as my my mentality, I think, because I'm so far in now. I didn't know what to expect when I first started. Uh, I can be a little bit of a head case in my own mind because I'm very, no, I'm not very at all. into this. <laughs> and I I absolutely uh, can drive people crazy around me when, I, when I'm doing this. And I have, you know, Michael is always there. To answer my questions, to calm me down when I feel like I'm going to jump off a bridge because things aren't going exactly how I think they should be going. Um, and he is always explaining everything. And I'm sure, you know, I've heard nothing but positive things from John, John's clients as well. So, uh, and again, trusting the process. And it's tough because there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, and we're m- mm. bombarded depending on how many bodybuilding or, you know, social media sites you follow. I know I follow a lot. It's tough because we see these people. We have to keep in mind that there is, you know, natural bodybuilding, and then there's non-drug tested bodybuilding, and both are cool, and both is fine. And I really, whatever someone's into, I think that that's great. But you have to keep in mind if you're if you're going about it the natural way, you may not look as lean. You're not taking anything. And I know that mm-hmm. I have to get that through to my head as well because I look up to a lot of IFBB pros, figure pros, bikini pros. And I have to keep it in my head that I'm not going to look like that as my end result, and that's okay. But it's it's tough out there with being bombarded by the Internet 24 seconds. I'm glad you brought
1: that up because somebody yeah. as somebody as high caliber as you to say that you even have um, get emotional with yourself and, and start to doubt things, that's important because I tell everybody that's part of the process. You're, that's going to happen to you, especially the first time you compete. And people just need to realize that that's when when it's also important to have a good coach that you can lean on. Um, And and in the case with myself, we have a team, so we have a very active community with our team. And we, as teammates, everybody leans on each other when they're having a tough time. but, But having a coach that will take the time to talk to you and listen to you,
0: that's super
1: important because, as we all know, this could be just as much of a mental game as it can
0: be a physical game. No, absolutely, absolutely, and it's not—it is ninety percent, as far as I'm concerned, is this process is ninety percent mental. Um, absolutely, you know, and and, and kind of picking on something that Melinda said. I, I think one of the worst, at least for a first-time competitor, at least somebody who's you know only into uh, into it for a couple of uh, seasons. I think one of the the more challenging things that that you can do for yourself. Uh, is is start getting online and, and looking at some of these pictures when they're not in line with who you might be competing against. So if you're, you know, if you're going to compete in a uh, drug tested competition, in, in my mind it makes no sense for you to get on online and looking at websites of non-drug tested, you know, competitors. Exactly. Because you're you what you're trying to do is is live a fantasy. It's just something that's never going to happen for you. Uh, unless you decide you want to take a different avenue toward that, so comparing yourself to these people of course, you're gonna come up short. you know you wanna right. get online, look at the websites, look at the pictures of competitors who are have who or who are competing in the same competition you are, and uh, you're gonna save yourself a lot of stress doing that Plus, I don't people think I've usually completely
2: learn that yet
1: <laughs> people usually only post pictures okay. of themselves when they're in great shape as well. a lot of people don't um post what they look like in the off season. And I try to tell people that, you know, you can look at all the pictures you want on Facebook and Instagram and social media and YouTube, but you got to realize that most of the time these people are posting pictures of them when they're in their absolute best shape. And the the way you look on, on stage the day of the show, you look that way for that day. If you're lucky the whole day. Because you know your body can change depending on you know what types of foods you're and how much water and salt you're consuming during right. the day, and plus everybody knows when you're tan and you've got got a sheen on and you're under the lights, you're gonna look a hundred times better than you do you know just in 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 regular lighting, so for people to compare themselves to someone else's stage photos, you're not doing yourself any favors, you're just gonna cause yourself to have more mind definitely, so i'm
2: gonna. Um, switch up the conversation a little bit because, again, questions I get from people and I'm not a trainer, so it's good to turn it over to you guys. Uh, everyone has questions about macros, um, carbs, fat, protein, and there's a lot of different trends going around out there um, with how people are, are working on their macros. Now, I know both of you guys don't do a one-size-fits-all diet, which I think is fantastic, but I'm just going to kind of bring up some different thoughts. And It is a new trend and I've had a lot of bikini girls uh, that are doing it uh cutting out all your fats during portions of your prep what are your thoughts on that
1: uh, Mike, michael you oh, one I,
0: yeah yeah I, I personally think that's silly um i think that you know john alluded to earlier you know this has to be you know you have you have to approach this as health as healthfully as you can and if you start cutting out any one of the macronutrients completely even for a short stretch i personally think that that's just that, that's a pool errand. You know you, you you want to try to find balance, but there definitely has to be um you know adjustments made whether it's to your protein whether it's to your carbs uh whether it's you know to your fat at, at different aspects but to go just completely cutting everything out uh, you you definitely run the risk of of having issues later on, especially as you get toward peak week um you know it, it, with uh my organization uh the Diet Doc and the team k uh, perfect peaking competition prep uh my objective in working with any one of my competitors. And this is a relative well statement because, again, we're all different. Is I want my client, eat, my competitors, eating the most amount of food possible, doing the least amount of cardio possible, and still losing body fat, you know, on a regular basis. Now, again, that's relative. When I say the least amount of cardio, I'm not saying none because I, I definitely have clients who have to do five days a week of cardio or, or six days or whatever the case might be because they're 30 pounds overweight, you know. But then I also have some competitors. I had a, a guy last year getting ready for – he was doing a day a week, and even then, I started pulling back because he was just mm-hmm. he was just leaning out and getting you know and not getting to a point where we wanted him. So um, yeah, again, definitely you have to tweak the your macronutrients as you go along, but it's got to be based on how your body is responding. You don't just do it because you do it. My favorite thing, when I, when I was coming up, I grew up in the 90s, and it was a situation where, well, had three months to get ready for a competition. That's, that's insane. <laughs> you, want, you want to take as much time as you possibly can right. so you don't have to suffer. If you have to go on a ketogenic diet because you gave yourself 10 weeks to get ready for a competition, you're going to hate life. Life is going to be miserable, and it just really isn't worth it. You know, you, you start doing a no-carb diet or, or very minimal carbohydrates, you, you know, you, you're definitely running the risk of uh, uh, metabolic suppression. Uh, your metabolism gets to a point where it's just not going to uh, be involved in the game anymore, and uh, you're going to find it real difficult to uh, to get to, again, like I said, where you want to be come contest day. I think for me, um,
1: especially dealing with females, I think cutting out fat is probably the worst thing you could do, um, only because fat is – people forget that fat is involved in hormone production. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of females when they cut their fats out, they'll start to have hair falling out, uh, their skin will start to not look not look as, as good as it did before. And um, kind of going off of what Michael just said, I try to keep my clients eating the most amount of food and doing the least amount of cardio. And I'm, the first adjustments I will always make to someone's program is to the exercise. If I can leave the diet alone but adjust their training and their cardio to get their body to keep responding, I'd rather do that than than take food away. The second thing I would do is I would change their macronutrients up, like maybe um, redistribute, um, add add some carbs, drop some protein, or vice versa, or add some fat, drop some protein. But try something different rather than dropping the calories. Dropping calories for me is always the last resort. I mean, obviously – At some point, it's going to be necessary to do that, but I try to go as long as possible before I can do that. And and again, that goes back to hiring somebody who's not a quote-unquote cookie-cutter coach and someone who's going to be customizing your program. If if you're on a program where you're just getting a printout every week that 40 other people are getting, then you're going to get to a point where basically you're just going to be doing hours and hours of cardio and not eating anything, and that's not really what you want to do. Especially if you're a first-time well, competitor. If you're a first-time competitor, you want to have a good experience. Um, so if this is something you want to keep doing, if you hire the right coach in the beginning, then it'll make it much more enjoyable, and uh, you'll get a lot more out of it uh, personally than if you just go about it the wrong way. If you go about anything the right way, you'll enjoy it more, but especially something like that. I
2: can attest to that. I I hired Michael right from the beginning, and I've been with him since 2013, so... I stayed with the same coach and I've had a great experience and I think that's made all the difference in my outlook on things now as much as I can still get emotional, be a head case, and that's just because I'm tough on myself and I expect a lot well, out of them. That's why you're
1: a champion that's why you're a champion athlete in more than one discipline.
0: Well, well the the thing so. of it too with that is it goes back to you know when you're when you are looking it goes back to the original question what you should be looking for in a coach you got to realize you know that that the the challenges that that competitors face are real you know these you know as as long as I've been in the game and and, and John even longer with with just that tremendous amount of experience um, to us it's, it's 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 obvious you know yeah patience you know going through the process. <laughs> you know, so on. But, but competitors out there, they, they don't understand that. And why should they, they you know, they might be first time competitors. So what I do, I pride myself in this is I adjust myself and how I interact with my clients. I mean, I know Melinda, she was having a tough day the other day. And you'll remember the joke that I gave her. She was talking about, you know, not jumping off a bridge or anything like that. And I said, well, to be safe, why don't we at least put a bungee cord on your ankle, you know, just, uh, (laughs) you know, bring it down a little bit, you know, relax, (laughs) just, just calm down, you know, and, 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 uh, you know just like i said but if you if you just constantly you know you know again if 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 you're if you're a competitor and you you're just constantly worried and you're you're again not getting that feedback and the education of why things might be happening and what we can do uh, uh to adjust like i said you, you like you're gonna you're gonna be miserable you're you're not gonna enjoy it i i've seen this for other the uh, competitors come to me from 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 other places and i've seen uh, this one that really entertained me was a uh, com- uh, competitor who came to me with a mapped out diet for the next six weeks. Each week it changed, yeah. and the yeah. actual menu was written. You're going to yeah. have steak this day, you're going to have this, that day. I just day. ran across and I'm like, that too. Have you actually counted this up? Like, do you actually know how much you're taking in? And and w- I don't count calories, I count macronutrients. Simple arithmetic will give us the calories. But I'm looking at it as like, the fact that. And how does, she, how does this person know, how does this competitor know she should be changing to this type of food at this point or she should be adjusting to this amount, you know, uh, four weeks from today? What, what if her body mm-hmm. is responding better or slower? Again, people, I, I just I strongly encourage you stay away from that. You know, again, if you are not treated like an individual, you know, and you're not getting a customized program, uh, again, you're going to find it extremely difficult to be successful. Well, I've said from the beginning
1: since I started doing this 25 years ago that it's called personal training for a reason. It's personal. And if you're not getting a a personalized program, then what are you paying for? You know, think about that. And just because you can go on, you know, some of these websites and print off, you know, quote-unquote free diets, that doesn't mean they're going to work for you or they're even going to be healthy. So um, keep in mind your health is very important. And it's not just your physical health, it's your mental health. And I try to drive that point home to people that this is, you know, very few people are going to make a living as competitors, and you just have to be realistic about that. And, you know, after the lights fade and the show is over, what are you going to do then? So you don't want to to do any damage to yourself to get on stage just to be a mess afterwards,
0: maybe for the rest of your life. So people really and need to take that. In. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Melinda, if I could touch on one thing with that is, is what 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 competitors need to realize when when you're dieting for competition and uh, you know you're, you're you're getting deep into contest prep, you you might be you know four weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever. You're not going to be squatting the same weight you were squatting, <laughs> you know, in the off season. It's just not going to happen. Nope. You're going you're to be tired. You're going to be fatigued. Now, I, you know, I say to my clients, if you're just absolutely dragging your knuckles all day. Yeah, let, let's adjust that. We, I, I, I don't want it to be where it's adversely impacting the rest of your life. But you right. can't expect, you cannot expect to be lifting the same weights, you know, six weeks out from a competition that you were 16 weeks. It's just not going to happen, okay? You Before might get some of those leisure, genetic gonna, freaks out there. Who can, exactly, exactly. And the other thing, too, is uh, I, ha- I have some uh, uh, folks co- uh, that came to me recently, and, and one of the, the, the competitors was talking about how flat he was looking. I said, it doesn't matter how flat you look today. You were consuming 600 grams of <laughs> a carb a day. You know, of course you're going to be full and, and, and bloated and all these kind of things. The point is, is we got to get this body fat off of you come competition day. If you look flat that day, then we have a problem. But there's right. It only we're going to you on stage. Exactly. We're gonna do to your diet. Exactly. We're going to do things throughout the enough. process. Exactly. So when you're on stage, you're at your fullest, your hardest, your crisp, you're as crisp as possible. You know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, don't worry about those types of things during the actual contest prep phase of things. Right, right.
2: So what you're saying is that I should not go try to one rep my one rep max my squat <laughs> tomorrow, is what you're saying? Um, I, I'm just not, saying.
0: <laughs> I'm but just if kidding, there was no, anyone no, no. It would be you, Melinda, who could do it?
1: It would be me as part
0: might, of my issue.
1: Melinda, 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 if you do that, we might need to get Mike a bungee cord.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know.
0: Exactly.
2: No. Oh, she is going to do it, too. I love, I watch. No, I won't do it. I promise I won't do it. I love heavy lifting, but I, I'm starting to trend down. I understand, but it's still tough for me. It's a mental thing, and I'm sure it's a mental thing for a lot of people that it just really love lifting heavy all the time to see those numbers come down. It's definitely tough for me. I was at the gym the other day, and we were working on uh, a two rep max for us, press and my numbers were awful and I was like just reminding myself over and over and over again my diet is different right now than the last time I did this this is okay this is not a problem just get the workout yeah, in and get yeah. out of the gym and stop thinking about yeah. it but um to kind of piggyback off what you guys were talking about do you have any uh getting a lot of new clients in and these misconceptions that people may have when they've not competed before do you have any just funny things or interesting things that people have come to you with, with misconceptions, whether they think we starve ourselves, are they surprised Mm. at the amount of carbs you have, you know, your competitors consuming, just anything funny or interesting you think the audience would would like to know?
0: I I have a couple. I'll I'll start with one is I have a a competitor of mine, and and she starts rolling her eyes at me because I I, I remind her that she said this uh, all the time. Uh, she she's actually a uh doctor, a, a medical doctor down in Boston. And uh, she competed for the first time this past um, this past uh, spring, and she did very well for her first competition. And uh, it was funny, as I was as we were getting closer to the competition, I was actually increasing her carb intake, mm. and she was struggling with that. She's like, "I'm gonna get fat, I'm gonna gain weight." And I said, okay, let let's watch, let let's just see, let's just see what happens in the weekend of And I know, I know what's gonna happen. You know, so what happened was is we do it. She, she turns out great. I had her carbohydrates. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say we were close to double than what she started with, you know, going into the week. We're we're sitting in the competitor's meeting, and she looks at me, and we're having a, a conversation about it. And she says, look at her. I can't believe how I look. I feel so blah, blah, blah. All this shit. And she says, Michael, I got to be honest with you. What we've done, you know, in terms of my carb increase and so on and so forth and, and not depleting my carbs during the last week, or my water, you know, during the last week, the the peak week as we call it, it goes against all of my medical training. And right there, I just did a total I did fist <laughs> pump. Yeah, buddy, that that's what I'm talking about. Is we get these ideas and we think that we should be doing these things because you know it's in social media. Somebody said it during the debate last night. Just because he said it doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean it's right. Right. You know, or doesn't mean it's true. You know. So yeah, yeah. That I love that story. I think I just get a lot of people,
1: and I have for years and years that um, they're just they think that when you're prepping that you're not you're not eating anything and you're doing hours and hours of cardio a day. So when I have people I, like 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 Michael said, I have people that do very little cardio, and I have people that have to do more cardio. I have people that have to eat low carb, people that eat high carb. I've even had to do keto uh, diets for short periods of time with people just to kind of confuse their bodies. Now that's not my favorite way to do things, but it's my job as a coach to try to figure out the best, most efficient way to get that client in shape. And I think people just by reading online, they just think that every you're, you're starving the whole time, you're stark raving mad the whole time, and you're you're spending hours and hours doing cardio. And when 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 I actually stress the strength training more and you know keeping the food high and keeping the the cardio as low as possible that mystifies people,
0: and it takes them a while
1: to get that. And I had a similar experience with a few people um, last year who were established pros who came and hired me to prep them for their shows last year, and I worked with them for like a year leading up to it. And all of them, I went through the same thing that Michael did with his client where we were dropping cardio down like literally to nothing, you know, towards the end like the last four to six weeks and increasing their food, and they kept losing body fat. I had a client from Canada, like I had to like constantly do these giant refeeds with her because she she kept losing body fat with doing no cardio and eating tons of food and she's you know, all ninety pounds of her and she was eating, you know, twenty three, twenty two hundred calories a day and she's still losing body fat. So you can't really and you know, everybody's different, so you can't you can't go off of you know, like we talked about earlier, you can't oh well my my friends a, my friends a trainer or my boyfriend trainer said this or the trainer at the gym said this, you know, you, you just got to kind of believe in the person that you're working with and put your trust in them. And like, like, like Michael said, in the end, they they might learn something like, like his physician client learned about going doing everything that flies in the face of what she knows. But so she learned something from that. So that's a successful prep for the coach and the client. And one of yep. you
2: mentioned water depletion, during peak week? Um, what are your <laughs> beliefs on... Because I know I I have an actual a very good friend who completely, she was taking in so little water during her peak week. And I'm not talking the day of the show, sipping on water. I'm talking the entire week, that she had to take multiple days off work because she couldn't function and she had to just stay in bed and nap because she just wasn't... Things just weren't good. She was that's, dehydrated. That's her good. macros were super low. No. So... No. There are people out there that you, that do this. What are your thoughts on depleting water in peak
0: week? Well, I'm all for water. If you, I'm all for depleting your water if that's what the, the crap that you want to go through. I'm all for cutting your water there uh, during the week if you want to look like a deflated, soggy balloon on stage. God bless. Go ahead, but. You know, you got to remember that the body and the muscle is 70% water, just like the earth. It's it's important that you keep it that way. And, and, again, digressing a little bit, but it does tie in with the whole peak week and, and the water thing is we, in, in my organization, the Die Doc and Team K, we want peak week to really be as uneventful as possible, you know, as, as it relates to your diet. We're definitely doing some things. We're definitely, you know, changing some things. But the objective should always be when you go into that last week, your water Stays the same when you're working with me because again we want to keep those muscles full. What you know when you start tweaking with your carbs, your sodium and all that, all that with with the combination of those things and, and other variables aspects, your the water is actually going to be pulled out from underneath your skin and into the muscle tissue, giving you that nice full hard tight look. If you don't have water there, again you, you you're going to find that that the muscles are going to not be as full and as hard as they can be. So, and beside the, the health factor, the health component. So, it's vitally important that you do know how much water you're taking in, and, and there's really not a whole heck of a lot of adjustment as you as you approach the competition uh, competition day. Well, people also need to remember that when you uh, cut your water
1: intake, um, especially drastically, uh, within 12 hours, your body will release a stressful h- hormone called aldosterone, and that signals your kidneys to recycle water back into into your body, and that water is not necessarily going to go where you want it to.
0: Yeah, it's going to so, give you that
1: soft, filmy look.
0: Yeah, so,
1: and, and not to mention it can damage your kidneys as well. But, yeah. I mean, I generally have my people drink more water towards the end of the weekend, even on contest day. I mean, I had um, clients competing last weekend in New Jersey, and some of my male bodybuilders were drinking two and a half gallons of water that day during the show. And people were looking at them like they were crazy, you know. And one of them ended up winning the overall, and the other one ended up coming in third in both of his classes. And I have all my clients drink, 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 drink. And, you know, I'm sure Michael's heard this, and Melinda, you probably heard this backstage, people complaining because, oh, I haven't had any water since, you know, Thursday night, and it's late Saturday. I mean, yeah. that's that's just not healthy. I mean, no, not and, at all. and I hate to bring this up, but I think the whole thing with with cutting out water and doing all that, I think that comes from the
0: non-tested side. I was just gonna say that you're absolutely right because correct. you
1: can't get you can get away with that if you're using certain substances that o- will yes. override the, the homeostatic um, effect that your body wants to stay in. But when you're natural, you have to pay more attention to how body chemistry actually works, and you have to maximize your own body's chemistry to work in your favor. So I think people, you know, they have a little misconception, and that comes down to the difference between natural natural bodybuilding and and non-tested bodybuilding. People, When people hear the word bodybuilding, they automatically think of the guys that you see in the magazines and the guys that that are competing, like, in that show this weekend in Vegas. And people don't realize that there's, you know, there's a side of bodybuilding where there's people that compete that, you know, that's in most natural bodybuilders, anybody could attain that physique. And, you know, given the proper time and work ethic, you know, you can get to that level. Can you get to the level of some of these other people that are competing in non-tested shows? Probably not unless you're willing to, you know, step onto the other side and, and, and take substances that are going to override your body's own natural want to stay in homeostasis. So I, I think people need to, to remember that, you know, When you start, um, a lot of coaches now will say the more things you messed with the last week, like if you look great on Monday, why do do you want to do all this stuff? I mean, why do you want to start? Because your body's already been under a lot of stress for a long period of time during your prep, not just mental, physical stress, but mental stress. So the more things you change, the more things can go wrong. So you want to try to keep things as steady as
0: possible because our bodies like to be in that balance yeah another Absolutely. another misconception yeah. that i i think that is out there is um you know uh, it was alluded to earlier um if you think that you're going to be in the same shape and, and you're going to look the same you know uh, a month after your competition um you're in for a rude awakening because you're going to find it you're hard pressed to uh to do that at, at no point is your body really more primed for growth? And that doesn't mean building bigger muscles or what, but just progress than directly after a competition, because your metabolism is going to be slow. And this is what people don't realize too. When you diet for a competition, especially if you're dieting very hard and you're dieting for extended periods of time, your metabolic rate actually slows down. This is why we like to as, as we get to the competition day, we want to, it's what we call eating into the competition. So you actually Mm -hmm. eat more, as you get closer. And then what happens is if you try to stay competition, you know, ready all the time, you know, summer's coming up, I got some barbecue, I'm going on a cruise. Not I'm healthy. Prepared. Not, Not healthy. healthy. And, again, you're going to find that the progress that you're trying to see for your next competition is going to be much harder to attain because you didn't allow your body to work through the various phases of, of dieting. And, 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 I was you just going to say at, that. Yeah. Time you know, between, in New England. Time between contests. Yes, Exactly, in New England, you know where we get a ton of snow, you know uh you 're not like Michigan or anything, but still you know we, we definitely cover up around here you know right. it, it's it's okay to put on a couple pounds
1: you right, know it right. 's actually
0: ideal to do that because again, Absolutely. what you 're doing is you're allowing for growth, you're allowing for progress and you're you're really just recalibrating your metabolic rate, and you 're going to find that if you do it intelligently and i I actually right. find that for myself personally i 'm focused more on this with my competitors as of late, probably the last Year and a half than the actual competition prep. Uh, again, no no attention is taken from the competition prep. But how do we get competitors to get to make that transition from contest right. day into the off season and still stay, even if they never compete again, but they can still stay within yeah. five to ten pounds to of find competition some weight. It, exactly, think, exactly. And, and again, if you're competing all the time, to- I actually heard this one at the at one of the competitions last year. It was the uh, it was one of the uh, fall shows. And it was a female competitor, and she did. She looked phenomenal, no question. But she, uh, the MC announced her coming out that this was something like her 17th or 18th competition that year. No, I'm Yikes. not lying. 17th or 18th wow. competition that year, and she had five or six more to go. I don't remember what the, the statistics were. And I'm thinking, it's October. The season runs right. from March to November, <laughs> so she was obviously traveling around the country to do this. Right. I just, for me, I always want to think long term. Whether you're competing again right. or whether you're never going to compete again, is is how do we keep your metabolic rate working for you opposed to against you? Because yeah. again, you save yourself a lot of stress.
1: And like Michael said earlier about um, giving your metabolism time to recover, that just goes that that just goes down comes right down to. Um, letting your your uh, your anabolic and metabolic hormones come back up to normal, and that takes time because even if you've dieted slow, you're still, your thyroid levels are going to drop, your testosterone, your estrogen, things like that are going to drop, and it takes time for those to come back up, and that's another reason why reverse dieting is so important because if you go from eating 1,400 calories a day and doing a half-hour cardio five days a week and a week after the show, you're not doing any cardio and you're eating 2,000 calories a day, you're going to put body fat on because there's going to be that lagging period where your metabolism is going to be slower because the hormone levels are lower. And that's the case even if you've dieted, you know, correctly for a long period of time, it's still going to happen. So, you know, you want to do a good amount of time of reversing to give your body the time to recover. Otherwise, you're going to put on body fat. And then a lot of times what happens is people – they eat too much for a few weeks and then all of a sudden they lift up their shirt and their abs are gone and they freak out and they go right back into contest mode. And that's only going to make things worse. So you just need to be patient with the process and let your body, give your body time to recover. And then you won't have to be bouncing around like that.
2: And sometimes it goes the other direction where instead of popping back into contest mode, They just continue to go off the bandwagon, and then it's just it's a it's like in it's it's tough mentally because it's like I already did this on two weeks I ate like crap there's no going back and then it's just you know it's crazy for the next few months and then it I'm speaking from a female point of view because I'm not I can't speak from a male bodybuilding point of view but that uh, girls putting on pounds in the off season that are you know five two five three and then having to do all that work to then take that back off, you know.
1: the and it's going to be harder the second of things, time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to the male bodybuilder point of things, you know, when you do that, and I have no problem admitting back in the day when I was 18 years old and just starting off, I, I did that. You know, I can't tell you how many competitions I did that. I think my record was putting on something like 25 pounds and, like, 10 or 15 days after a competition. Uh, if, yeah, it wasn't I, nailed, I if, if it, exactly if it wasn't nailed down, I <laughs> ate it, you know, but here's the right. thing. that uh, and, and until I, uh, until I learned, you know, uh, through, through self-education through working with some fantastic people uh, in my organization and, and just working with my clients, you know, over the years is that what's going to happen is as a male bodybuilder, and this is, this is the same for, for, for females, but I know the, the male bodybuilders are, are, are more into it is oh, I'm going to pack on a ton of muscle and so on and so forth. Mm. When you're eating, a criminal amount of calories just an obscene an obscene amount just to put on all the size oh I'm big, i'm huge i'm you know I'm two hundred pounds when I competed at hundred and fifty you know pounds, and all this all you are is fat right you', you, didn't, you you're going to put on muscle, you absolutely are because again, now you can lift the Buick because you have all the carbs and you have all that fat in you you know you're, you're going you know and that obviously when you when you lift you know heavier you're going to be able to put on muscle tissue but what happens is is because you have to diet down so you're going to diet hard, it all off <laughs> you're just going to go back to where you were you're going to look the exact same as you were the competition you may end, before you you may end up smaller <laughs> exactly you may exactly. end up smaller you, because you be might harder, have to work harder as you just said Exactly. Exactly, and it just, I, you know, it just boggles my mind that I still see this and I hear this from people when they come to me. But, you know, I, I did this and so on. I didn't diet out of the competition properly, and I, you know, I took some time off because uh, whatever the reason might be, and they put on all this weight, and then they, you know, they they find that in their next competition, they look the exact same, like I said, or if not worse, because again, they, they, they just didn't know how to take care of business after the competition. I I think
2: that's, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually had some girls on my last show a couple weeks ago that were talking about the the mentality of that and how you're used to looking in the mirror, seeing your body in the way. And I say females because I feel like for a a lot of times there's this uh, stigma attached to female physiques and how we should look in social media and this and that. And I know it's out there for men as well, so I'm not downplaying the fact that that happens, but especially from the female side, uh, this certain look that they should obtain. And it's tough when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and then you put on those few pounds. I usually try to keep myself within 10 pounds, but it's still I'm only one, So that seems like a lot to me. And it's tough to go from seeing your body in stage shape to then you just don't feel the same. So it's very mental and it's definitely important to have a coach that can put it in perspective for you. So that, again, like Michael said earlier, you don't go want to jump off a bridge because you put some weight on and your jeans aren't (laughs) fitting the same as they did when you're in competition prep, so...
0: Yeah, and it goes back to the association that you give to the number that you see on the scale. You know, I mean, for somebody like you, you know, where your weight is up from your last competitions, we needed it to be because of the transition you made into the figure competition as a professional. Now, uh, you have to have muscle. You can't, you can't, you know, go on a figure, you know, a competition stage in the figure round and not have any muscle to you. So, any weight that you put on is going to be muscle tissue. So, understanding that and realizing that just because you may have put on 3 pounds or you put on 5 pounds or you even put on 10 pounds whatever the case might be for you as an individual it doesn't necessarily mean that you put on fat this is why right. studying it's your pictures weight. are so exactly this is why studying your pictures is so important if you look at your last if you look at your photos from your last competition and you look at your photos from this competition and you can say to yourself wow, yeah, I do look better, and here's where I look better, Th- then you've done everything that you can do. Because what you have to remember, especially as a first-time competitor, you, we can control the process as much as humanly possible and get you to where you need to be to be competitive. But what you have to remember is when you finally step on stage, all, all fact goes out the door. Because this is now, it becomes a subjective game. What it is, <laughs> it's, it's the opinions of seven to nine judges telling you that you look better than the competitor standing next to you. It, you know, right. one competitor may like, you know, that you have bigger legs or that your your waist is more, or that your shoulders pop or whatever. the And another judge may not, you know. so I can definitely you have to speak re- to that. Yeah, I absolutely. That's why I don't so judge anymore. Yeah, that's why I don't right. judge anymore. I did it years ago and I just, I refuse to do it. I, I Whatever you get paid, it's not enough. You know, it's, it's, uh, right. it's I think it's one of the hardest jobs in sports to do because it's Absolutely. just so difficult when you're trying to make distinctions between competitors. So you, what you have to remember is when you step on stage, okay, technically you want to play semantic. Yeah, you're competing against the other competitors, what female, male, whatever the case might be. But ultimately, you have to remember you're competing against yourself. Are right. you better in this competition than you were in your last? That pictures it. don't and lie. And as far as your play, exactly. And as far as your placing. You know, I, I I placed uh second place in, in quite a few competitions. I placed fourth place in a comment, and I think it actually in one of my fourth place finishes, I looked better than I did in my right. second place can't competition. Right, you can't go by the, num- it's not the number. Not about the number on the trophy. Exactly. Not, I don't, not about I, the number no on the trophy. It's, it's about the achievement. Exactly. Exactly. In a sport that's
1: subjective, like you said, you can't go by that because, um, like I've seen people win a show and two weeks later going to a show that's much bigger and more competitive and not even place. Exactly. They weren't even looked at. So you can't judge your success or failure by your placement because if you do, like I tell people, if you're doing this for a trophy, I'll go down the street and buy you one and save you a lot of time and money <laughs> because it, yeah, that's absolutely. not the right reason to do this. Absolutely. It, it's about self-achievement and improvement. and And, and for a lot of people – They start things and don't finish them. So for a lot of the people I've worked with over the years, this is one of the first things or the first thing that they started and actually finished and followed through. And that can have a life-changing effect on people, to actually set a a big goal like this. Because remember, this is something that like 1% of the population can do. So just by doing this and completing it, that makes you um, an elite type person because you've done something that most people can't even fathom. And that in and of itself is an achievement. You know, take placings or anything else out of it. That's something that you can feel good about and that you can hang your head on.
2: I think that's definitely important to remember. And I know it's something that I have to remind myself of all the time, especially going from doing very well at the end of last year to placing seventh in my first pro figure show. And I, I agree with the placing. It's, you know, and it's, I have to say, I'm going from a pro bikini class to a pro figure class, and I need to give myself time for my body to to change and to grow, and, and I just need to be happy with where I am in the process instead of focusing on where I place. And it's something Absolutely. that I do all the
1: time. That's a big jump. It's a big moving jump. Moving up the yeah,
2: like I, that. You know, looking back at it, I say, you know, I probably should have given myself more time and just done, you know, given myself a good year. Year and a half before I jump back on. But yeah, I learned a lot from being up there. It was a good experience and it's something that I can, you can, you have to be able to take something away from every show. And right. And I would something say at positive. that last show, I took a lot away from being on the pro figure stage for the first time and and seeing it was was tougher. We were up there for longer. We had a tough class. We were posing. We were holding poses. It was a lot different than competing
0: in the amateur class
2: when I did figure, and I learned a lot from it, and I would say I actually made – I went out of my way to network and talk with people and make more friends backstage, and that's something that I'm usually very quiet backstage when I go to shows. So I took away a lot of people that I had some great conversations with that I still keep in touch with. So there's a lot of good things that can come out of a show other than just
0: absolutely. And it's important too when you're competing and you you know in the different divisions, because I know that was something that you and I focused on quite a bit, melinda is that you have to understand the requirements for the for the division that you're competing in is the requirements for figure competition is not the same as it is for bikini. it's not the same as it is even for female bodybuilding you know there's fit body now that's really taking hold of the bodybuilding season for women but if you're if you're uh, uh, competing in the bikini class, you need to understand that to be as as muscular or as as lean as ripped as hard as shredded whatever as a figure or fit body competitor, it's not what you want to do, and you'll actually you it'll actually go against you. You know you can you can, actually, you, you, you can exactly, lose places. That
1: that changes from organization or federation to federation. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So you have to know what what the standard and what the look is that the federation that you're competing in is looking for because. Um, I had a client at a, at the show last weekend. She was in great shape, but we knew she was a little bit too hard for what they wanted for bikini, and that's exactly what happened. She she placed, but not you know not as high as I felt she should have. But according to the standard of the organization, she placed where she should have. Now, if she was in a different federation, she probably would have placed a lot better. So it just helps to know ahead of time. Um, She was doing this just as a warm-up show and to meet some people on the team, and we knew that going in, and she was all right with that. But especially if it's your first time competing, educate yourself or find a coach that's familiar with the look that each individual organization wants because it, it does differ, especially in bikini and figure. It does differ from federation to federation, and I think that's important to keep that in mind.
2: Yeah. Do you guys, we're heading down to our four-minute mark almost. The show's almost over. Do you guys have any final words, anything, whether it be advice, um, anything you'd like to say to to people listening, people looking for coaches, anything you want people to know just to close out the
1: show? Well, I I would tell people to do your homework, like we talked about in the beginning. Do your homework. um, Make sure that you know, you match up. Even you know uh, that you, you're going to get along with this coach because you're going to be speaking and emailing and having a lot of interaction with them. So make sure that it's somebody that you that you like and somebody that you respect. And I also encourage people like before they hire me, I tell them contact my clients. That's my those are my references. So ask the coach or the trainer that you might want to hire if it's all right if they contact your client. Uh, you know, that you're working with now because those are the people that are going to be able to tell them how how that particular coach is to work with. So do your homework, talk to to the clients of the trainer that you want to work with, and don't go based off just the the person's, the placings of the people because it's, it's more than that. While, yes, it's important that if their clients are doing well, it's more important how the client feels about that coach, at least for me anyway. That's how I feel about it. And I don't, Michael, you want to finish up?
0: No, absolutely. I you know, I think it's I think it's important to set realistic expectations. Um I think it's important that you 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 be very mindful about not comparing yourselves to to comparing yourself to other people, uh especially backstage. I mean, I
1: that's mm-hmm. one of the things
0: I really zero in on with my clients. If you're backstage and you're starting to look out of the corner of your eye and I'm watching you, you know, if you if you're if you're, if you're going peripheral on me and you're checking out this girl I'm laughing. this guy over here and all <laughs> these kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're again, don't do it because again, you don't know you don't know what they're going to look like under the lights you don't know and the biggest thing for me a lot of my success is because i'm not a, i'm not an overly huge guy especially for my height but i've been able to do as well as i have because i can pose like a son of a god i really take mm-hmm. pride in the presentation posing aspect posing,
1: of posing yeah important. huge
0: huge it's, huge. A, it's, take, a, it's, a, it's an intangible to, that you can control it, absolutely absolutely and it really does allow you to display your physique to to At its best, and, and again, so you're looking at this person who, in your mind backstage, under ridiculous lighting, you know, oh my gosh, look so much, but then they get on the stage and it's 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 laughable because, again, the they, they don't even know what the poses are. They don't right. even know what a quarter turn to the right is or, or so on. They Do spend they think too just much because time doing cardio, Mike. Exactly, they spent, exactly. Spent so much
1: time so. doing cardio. They didn't have any time to practice their poses.
0: Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> set realistic expectations. Exactly. Set realistic, realistic expectations, excuse me. Do your homework. That's been really the theme of tonight's conversation. Right. And uh, right. don't be afraid to ask questions. Right.
1: Well, I
2: want to thank you guys for both being on the show. I really appreciate it. I think this was an awesome talk, very informative, especially for people who are new to bodybuilding and needed some, some sort of a base to go off of. I. I am going to go ahead and I'm going to post uh, both Michael Wilkie and John Yoke uh, pages on my fitness page and on my regular Facebook page, depending on where you are, if you follow me. If you do not follow me yet, I'm at facebook.com backslash mcfit87. That's my fitness page, and again, I will post links to both of their uh, business pages on my site if you're looking to contact them. Have any further questions? They're both awesome, guys. I'm sure they'll be happy to answer questions that you have or if you're looking for someone in the upcoming season. I would definitely recommend both of these guys. So, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank I you very that much, Melinda. Thank you, Michael. It was a great, you, was a great
0: conversation. Yeah, thank you, Melinda. Appreciate the opportunity.
2: Awesome. Well, everyone, have a good night, and to all those tuning in, I appreciate it. I will post the link to the show as well. If there's anyone out there that did not catch it tonight or wants to listen to it at a later time, you can listen to it at any time with this link. So everything will be on my fitness page. Feel free to head over there after the show to get more information, and have a good night. Thank you,
1: guys.
0: Thanks, guys. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere.